Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. It's time to talk all things Dirty Birds. It's Falcons Flyover. With John Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back in the key studios on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It is the John Chuckery Show on this Wednesday evening. Hey, Cash, the ticket is a podcast to help you bet smarter on both pro and college games. Host Mike Valenti and Jim Costa set the stage for the weekend of football. Check out Cash the Ticket for free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast from. 404-741-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond Text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey apps how you catch us when you're on the go. Social media is at 929 the game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can hit me up at JMCH316. He's at underscore Dylan Matthews. This, of course, night look at all things Atlanta Falcons. It is the Falcons flower. Can I mention one quick thing, Dylan? I got AEW up here. Did you see the report today, folks, that they suspended everybody associated with that backstage fight over the weekend at the pay-per-view? The Young Bucks, Omega, CM Punk, everybody involved with the incident that happened and, and all that. We talked a little bit about that media scrum. Wait, what happened? happened? Yeah, there's there was a fight backstage with the Young Bucks and CM Punk. CM Punk did a media scrum, and he went off on everybody when scorched earth. Uh, it, there's so much drama going on at AEW right now. It's wow. fantastic. It's fantastic. It, it is. It, it's great stuff. But supposedly, according to Dave Meltzer, they suspended everybody. And there's talk about they may fire CM Punk when all is said and done. So, And they're talking about maybe putting the title on MGF, MJF tonight. But anyway, um, Falcons fly over here to start the, uh, the hour off. All right. Pro football focus. One positional matchup to watch in every game. They list for the Falcons and Saints, Kyle Pitts versus Marshawn Lattimore. Lattimore seems to be at his best when in a physical contest with a receiver. He has given Mike Evans more trouble than any quarterback, and he did the same against Kyle Pitts in his otherwise dominant rookie season. Against Lattimore, Pitts caught two passes for 22 yards across two games. A truly unique athlete, Pitts is still a work in progress, and week one will give us a good look at whether he has taken an offseason jump as he will spend significant time against an elite cover corner. Can I tell you that this is even more reason why we need Drake London to play? And I don't understand all the gamesmanship and everything. I, again, talking with Tori about this, I, I just don't get it. Is he not healthy? Because don't sell me on the idea that that it's fine and everything's great and hunky-dory, and then my first-round draft pick can't play in week one. I expect him to play, but I don't understand why they're so secretive about all this kind of stuff. All right. Um, this is very, very interesting. So the Athletic now has a story about the Deshaun Watson situation and the Atlanta Falcons. The and I don't have the Athletic subscription, so I you know it's a paywall thing, and the last thing I'm doing is paying for the Athletic. But Zach Kiefer is the guy who wrote the article for the Athletic. This is very interesting. This is this is the quote from the Athletic. Listen to this, Dylan. Quote. Most within the Falcons building assumed Watson was theirs. And in the process of recruiting Watson, 
Atlanta was quietly shopping Matt Ryan. Despite radio silence on Ryan's behalf, he handled it like a consummate pro, though he knew it was time to move on regardless of the result of the Watson decision. Now, the part that says most within the Falcons building assumed Watson was there. Okay, can I tell you, and I'm, I'm going to say this, okay, and it might piss some people off, Arthur Blank lied to us, Terry Fontenot has lied to us, because we were told in those press conferences by those guys, in pressers and interviews, by those two guys specifically, oh, no, we just had a Zoom call and that was it and this, that, and the other. We just had a Zoom call and we talked to him for an hour or something like that and that was it. Now this report says that, quote, most within the Falcons building assumed Watson was theirs. Okay. What I'm telling you is, is that your organization lied to you. I, I believe they went down that rabbit hole pretty deep as far as they could go, and they weren't willing to give him $230 million, and that was the difference. Because they even bring that up in the article. But anyway. Uh, did you see Auden Tate got picked up by the Eagles uh, today? Had a good workout with them the other day. So uh, former Falcon for like five minutes, it seemed like. Um, be interesting to see. They have an outstanding wide receiver core now. Right? Remember, they just traded for A.J. Brown from the Titans, gave him $100 million. And obviously, they drafted Devontae Smith last year. He had a really good season. Remember in week one here at Mercedes-Benz when first play from scrimmage or, or first series from scrimmage, you know, for their offense, they threw it for a touchdown to their rookie wide receiver while we couldn't get our guy on the – oh, anyway. <clears throat> Sorry, I got something caught in the I thought, back of my I throat. thought you didn't like being the bad guy. Huh, what? I thought you didn't like being the bad guy. Oh, no, guy. no, no. I don't like it. Yeah, I'm not the bad guy. Yeah, no, no, not me. Not me. Would I ever be the bad guy? Anyway. Remember that guy that used to coach the team? Yeah. Oh, boy. Anyway. Let's get to some audio uh, here. Um, let's start with Arthur Smith, who was on Dukes and Bell earlier today. Here's Arthur talking about D. Alford and if him and Darren Hall, if him or Darren Hall will be starting at nickel corner. Well, That'd be the same thing by game plan. Um, certainly right now in the short term with Isaiah uh, being on the IR, and, you know, we're optimistic we'll get him back relatively soon. But, you know, it depends schematically. You know, we can we can have different personnel packages. It's not going to be the same guy every time. A lot of it's going to be scheme-based or game plan-based. Mike Ford will be in the mix. Uh, D, and we feel good about those guys. Sure is a lot of gamesmanship about players. Can I ask you? Do you think the Saints are shaking in their boots about whether Darren Hall or D. Alford starts? Okay, so why don't you say D. Alford's going to start? Because he's going to start at nickel. He's listed as the backup. Isaiah Oliver is the, the starter. Start just just say he's going to start. Like, why the gamesmanship? I don't I don't understand this. Like, is there something that he thinks that the Saints are going to learn about D. Alford versus Darren Hall? Did anybody listen? With all due respect, did anybody want Darren Hall on the field last year? I'm raising my hand. I didn't want him on the field last year. What the hell do I want him on the field this year for? Just play the offer and be done with it. Here's Arthur about Drake London's status for Sunday. Well, he's certainly progressing. And, um, you know, we'll make the decision on Saturday. Um, I feel like he's had two pretty solid days of practice this week. And we'll just see what it looks like at the end of the week. We'll, we'll always do what's in the best interest of the players and their health and safety in, in the short term and the long term. Uh, but certainly feel pretty optimistic seeing them uh, work here the last two out of the last three days. 
Can I say, unless you're truly not sure Drake London can play Sunday, why give that answer? I mean, again, the gamesmanship about who's going to be where and it's all secretive and we'll know on Saturday. They're not going to know on Saturday. They're going to make the decision. Look, the rule in the NFL is if you ain't practicing on Friday, you don't play. We'll know before Saturday. We'll have to wait till Saturday to figure out if he's going to play or not. Uh, Arthur Smith on Elijah Wilkinson and what went into him winning the starting job. Yeah, well, you know, it's apparent early, and like I said, like you know, you get to the point. I can't be a hypocrite if I'm going to say the best player is going to play, regardless of you know where you're drafted, what school you come from, or how you got here. You better follow through. And so he played very well all camp. We're excited about Elijah. You know, it was a little bit different for him going to left guard. He played guard, but being over there on the left, um, I thought he got better. You know, week after week. And we're excited about him and see what see what he can do to help us uh, win on Sunday. Well, um, look, uh, again, anything is going to be an upgrade from what you got out of Jalen Mayfield last year. Anything. If you have the guy who sabermetrically, analytically, metrosexually grades out as the worst interior offensive lineman in the NFL, then, yeah, anything's an upgrade. I, I Honestly, put Jarvis over there. I don't care. That's an upgrade to me. All right, let's hear from Arthur Smith as he talked to the media earlier today and didn't have to answer questions about his backup quarterback and how many reps and games he's going to get. Jiminy Christmas. God almighty. Oh, here's Arthur talking about the importance of practicing in MBS today. And this is a blessing when you get to work to a place like the Atlanta Falcons and for Arthur Blank and Rich McKay, it allows you to come down here. A big thing for me is being part of this city. And ultimately, just from a practical sense, is we get to train in the environment we're going to play in on Sunday. And that's important to us is to be really good at home. In my bias opinion, we've got the best stadium in all, all of sports. And we need to make this our home. We need to, to win at home. Um, there's always ways you go back and look at it, you know, make an argument for or against. But if we could have found a way to win two more home games, there's a great chance we would have kept playing. But we didn't. And that's the reality, and we got to be better at home. Huh. Seven and seventeen the last three years. You ain't kidding, brother. They got to be a lot better at home, and it starts this Sunday. Uh, here's Arthur Smith talking about Drake London and managing his workload during the season. It's important, you know. You're getting ready to go. Obviously, week one matters, right? To us in the short term, but the way the season plays out, it's such a long season, especially for the rookies. And at the end of the day, you can only dress 48. And sometimes you got to make decisions based on, hey, here's what the game plan is, or here's what we're going to lean on the game plan. Do we, do we put this player up because if somebody gets injured on the first play, are we going to be out of it? So there's a lot of strategy here, and you try to get that in perspective. Um, certainly when you're dealing with rookies, um, you know, it's they're going to – everything's going to be new for them. They played in the preseason, but we'll have to see, who, you know, who can handle what. And we have to understand there's a long-term vision at play as well. It may not have a lot of productivity in week one. doesn't mean by week five they may be up and really helping us. He selected the guy eighth. Jamar Chase was the fifth pick of the draft last year. He played all 17 games, led them with 128 targets and 81 receptions for 1,455 yards. I damn sure better see my guy do something like that. Or what the hell did you draft him at eight for? God almighty. This organization. 
workload, get his ass out there and let's go. That's what you drafted him eighth for. I don't want to hear about workload with Drake London. The hell did you draft him eight for? The hell did you draft a guy who spent most of his season last year hurt? And you have a history, this organization have a history of drafting first-round guys with injury issues. Tack McKinley, Caleb McGarry, now Drake London. Jesus, criminy. Workload. I'm watching Jamar Chase destroy the NFL last year. Destroy the NFL. 17 games, 128 targets. I don't want to hear about week five, week eight, workload and all that. Then don't draft a mate. Go get me a defensive end or go get me an offensive lineman. <sighs> ah, almighty. We'll talk to some Braves baseball with Chris Willis when we get back. Chuck in the Key Studios. Sports right now to the game, honestly.com app. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. So who is this person? It's John Chuckery. Are you sure? Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It is the John Chuckery Show. Live on this Wednesday evening as uh, we're watching the Braves get wrapped up here with the uh, Oakland A's as uh, Braves officially started the day in first place. Mets did win earlier today, so let's see if the Braves can keep pace and uh, let's head out to the waitfor.com hotline he is our man in the know we always like to talk to chris willis our guy that's managing editor power sbn batterypower.com is where you can check out all of his work on twitter at chris underscore willis and chris as always man appreciate it buddy thanks for a few minutes as uh this west coast trip kind of gets into full swing here oh yeah i appreciate you having me on uh it's been been fun uh a lot of fun baseball here lately you know i want to start with this um Obviously, the Braves are going to finish 1-2 in the Rookie of the Year voting. Um, Whether it's Strider-Harris, I I don't really care so much about that at this point. But can I tell you, though, why would Vaughn Grissom not potentially be third or fourth behind them? I I know Christopher Morell of the Cubs has had a a decent season. I know Brendan Donovan's had probably a pretty good season. I'm going to guess that he's probably third. But I got to say, Chris, I'm not so sure that Vaughn Grissom shouldn't be at worst fourth when all is said and done in the rookie of the year voting. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think um, I think there's merit for that, honestly. Uh, uh, in fact, I, we were talking about that a little bit uh, earlier earlier this week. You know, if he finishes strong, I, I'm not sure what it's going to look like once Ozzy Albies gets back. But, I mean, I think he's been just as impactful, uh, obviously not as much as Harris or Strider, who've, you know, been up for – most of the season, but, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, I mean, Grissom was, Grissom's been key. Um, when Arcia went down, you know, he kind of, he kind of came in and, and, and didn't just fill the gap, you know, he's, he's produced and, uh, 
And I think I've seen today the Braves were 20 and five with him since he came up. Uh, you know, that's that's pretty impressive. I agree with you. I think he. I think he deserves some down-ballot votes for sure. Chris, where are we as far as Ian Anderson goes? I mean, we've been getting updates about Mike Soroka, and obviously Ozzy's been you know, doing rehab you know, for Gwinnett and stuff like that. But the news has been very quiet about Ian Anderson. Where do you think we are with where he's at and getting things worked out down there? Uh, you know, you and I talked a couple of weeks ago. I kind of felt like that he was going to, you know, he would eventually figure back into the plan uh, at some point. But, you know, it's it's kind of been a little bit of a rocky road down there at Gwinnett. And I've got to wonder now, you know, if he's just going to kind of be on the, you know, there as insurance if, if they need him, you know, kind of similar the way, you know, Kyle Wright was in the playoffs last year, you know, um, you know, I'd like to see him get straightened out, but at this point, I'm kind of wondering, you know, if he just don't need, doesn't need a full off season or something and come back fresh for spring next year. Um, but it's hard to see him moving back in the picture the way way things have gone. Do you think it's a matter of they're going to have to pick between either bringing Soroka or bringing Ian Anderson back that they can't bring back both that they're going to have to pick one or the other? Well, I mean, it's, it, I think it comes down to the numbers game and, and kind of what happens with Jacob Rizzi as well. You know, he, he was uh, scratched from his last start, and, and uh, they haven't listed a starter for a Sunday's game yet, so there's some question there. But um, I do think with the 28-man roster and the, the pitcher 14-pitcher limit, you know, it, it is kind of tough. And um, um, just not 100% sure that you're, you're going to see. I don't know what the plan is for Soroka. Uh, it probably still fluid. You know, we could see him up at some point, but, you know, I think there's also, you know, a chance that maybe they just let him ride out, ride out at Gwinnett and, uh, you know, start fresh next year. But, uh, you know, they really haven't said which way they're going to go there, but uh, uh, it is something to watch. But I think I would be a little surprised to see them both on the major league roster. Chris Willis joining us here on the WadeFord.com hotline, managing editor for Battery Power, part of SB Nation covering the Atlanta Braves. I guess if there is, you know, some good news from, you know, getting some guys turned around a little bit, um, and I understand I'm about to give you a very small sample size, but, you know, at least over the last six games when Marcelo Zuna has played, he started to kind of produce. He's hitting 421 in his last six games, a homer, three RBI. Do you think that there's any chance he could play himself into a postseason roster at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Um, you know, I, I had pretty much written him off. And, uh, you know, and then the next thing you know, he's, he's got an opportunity again. He's It looks like he's trying to make the most of that opportunity. He's actually, uh, you know, been producing a little bit. So I think it's a, a kind of a fluid situation. Um, I'll be honest, I, I kind of thought he might be the odd man out when Ozzy Albies was ready to come back on the roster. But now, you know, the way he's played over the last few few days and with Ronald um you know Ronald kind of tied to the DH spot um you know it's it, I I'd kind of be surprised if that was the case now so yeah I think you know if he finishes strong um obviously I, they considered him part of the core at one point you know at least uh, on the peripheral so uh I think he does have a chance to earn himself into the postseason mix if he if he can perform well down the stretch I'm going to ask you to pull out your crystal ball here, Chris, and let's look a little bit ahead in the future. Um, you know, you mentioned Ronald Acuna, and he hasn't played out in the outfield for a while. Do you think it's possible that the game plan is to pretty much DH him 
the rest of the way and then trot him out in the playoffs in right field because look I understand you know it's fine against Oakland and it's fine against Pittsburgh and all that kind of stuff but you start playing the Dodgers or the Padres or the Mets or you know those kinds of teams you want your best outfielders out there and I wonder if the plan is to just work him through DH not put more stress on the knee than they have to and then come playoff time get him back out in the outfield yeah, I think so. I think we'll see him in the outfield a little bit uh, down the stretch, but I think you're going it's, you're, it's going to primarily be at DH, just as you said, to keep some of that wear and tear down. And then in the postseason, you know, they can they can adjust from there. So, you know, it makes a little sense. Um, uh, you just like to, you know, you'd like to see the guys like Eddie Rosario and Robbie Grossman to get going just a little bit uh, to really kind of make that outfield situation a little bit better than what it has been. But um, yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think uh, I think we'll probably see a little less of uh, Ronald in the outfield down the stretch, and then you know he'd probably be back out there for the postseason. One of the other decisions, Chris, that's going to be interesting is how they handle the catcher position as we head toward the playoffs. Because you know, obviously, things are a lot easier in the regular season where you give a guy a day off here, you DH a guy here, right? You can you can mix and match Contreras and Darno. But playoff time's different, and, and there's not a ton of off time and things like that. How do you think they're going to handle Darno and Contreras as we head toward the playoffs? Do you, you think they're going to flip-flop those guys, or you think Contreras is only going to get at-bats as a, as a DH? Or How do you think they're going to handle that? I think they'll probably try to catch uh, Darno as much as they could, um, you know, but I, I would have to think that Contreras is going to figure into that plan at DH uh, going in. I you know I don't think I don't think they're in the situation now where they have, they feel like Darno necessarily has to catch every single game, which is kind of what we saw the last couple of postseasons. You know I think they're in a much better situation there, and Contreras gives them an option, but I still expect him to catch the bulk of them uh, down the stretch. But you know I think I think the way it is, if you're putting the absolute best lineup out there, I think you've got to have Contreras as bad in there. Uh, so you know I, that's a, that's an area of strength. Uh, it's weird to say, com, uh, considering everything they went through last year. Um, so you know I think they'll deploy it that way. Chris Willa from BatteryPower.com joining us here on the WadeFord.com hotline. So obviously, as they get ready to get Ozzy Albie's back, do you think that they throw him into the lineup immediately, or because they have Grissom hitting so well, and because it's not easy to just kind of figure out? It's not like the Braves are desperate and they got to rush Ozzy back into the lineup. I know they want to get him in there, but my point is, you know, when we talk about letting things kind of work themselves out, I wonder if the plan isn't to, once they get him up here, kind of slow move him in and mix him in versus, okay, we're going to shove him right in the middle of their lineup and shove him right back out at second base every single day. How do you think that's going to resolve itself? Yeah, I don't think we'll see him come in and play every single day at second base and play every single in. And I think Von Grissom's allows, you know, has allowed him that uh, situation to be able to move him around some. I expect him to get some DDH at bats, expect him to get some days off. And just mainly because you've got Grissom there who's played well and it's been kind of a catalyst for the team. So, you know, I think that's when things are going to get really interesting to see how the how they handle the lineup uh, once Ozzy is back. And, uh, you know, to see if, if we do see Grissom out in the outfield some, uh, you know, he's been taking some flop balls out there. If we see him at DH and, and just how they try to mix and match everything up uh, for these final few weeks. 
You know, Chris, you and I have had some fun trying to figure out at times this rotation as we head toward the playoffs and things like that. And, you know, Kyle Wright's been outstanding. I know he had a rough night last night, but, you know, Freed is your ace. We get all of that. But how hard do you think right now Spencer Strider is making the decision about how you handle the two, three, four spots in a playoff rotation? Because, I mean, look, <laughs> you know, we, we've kind of joked about it, but you got a guy who can get 16 strikeouts against a major league team. It's hard not to want to put a guy like that up at the top who just blows people away. And come playoff time, you know, there's nothing better than, than outs with no contact come playoff time. I think that decision is going to be very intriguing about how they how they kind of balance out the rotation as we head to the playoffs. Yeah, obviously we'll have to see how they finish. But, uh, you know, I had uh, I think when we talked about this last, I was kind of leaning towards putting Strider in the bullpen and having him, you know, available for maybe a couple of games, a couple of innings. But, you know, my, my, my opinion on that is kind of changing now because I feel like, uh, you know, he's probably right there with Freed <laughs> pretty close, you know. Uh, it'd be hard to to put one of your best starters and arguably one of your best starters in the bullpen like that. So, you know, I, I think I think you've almost got to run him out there now. At, uh, you know, at second or third, or he's got to be in the mix at some somewhere there. So, I think he's making that decision really, really hard. And it'll, you know, if he finishes strong, I just don't see how how you can how you can get by not starting him in one of the first couple of games. Chris, last thing for you. I, I know Kenley Jansen gives people heart palpitations and things like that. But, you know, when you dive in, and I'm not talking about, you know, pitch for pitch and things like that, but, you know, he's first or second in the league in saves. I think he's fifth in the league in save percentage. Last year he was third, so he's not far off pace. I think his save percentage is right in line or just maybe slightly above what Will Smith was last year. I know people get angst about it all, but – I mean, unless he falls off a cliff, you don't expect that they're going to make any kind of change at the very back end, do you? No, I don't. And, uh, you know, I think some of the talk coming before they headed out on the road trip was, you know, they might not, they might use him in a lower leverage situation. And then again, you know, there he was right back out there in the night last night and looked a lot better. So, um, no, I don't think so. I, I, I think he would really just have to go off the cliff to lose you know, I, I mean, he's had rough patches before. You know, this is not a guy that's uh, just always been perfect and then fell off. You know, he's been through the ups and downs, and he's an experienced guy. So, you know, I expect him to bounce back. Uh, you know, I think he said he talked about uh, he had a flaw kind of in his windup, and that was something he was going to work on. And, uh, you know, hopefully he can get it straightened out because I think having him, Menor, and Iglesias at the back of that bullpen – is pretty pretty nasty, uh, especially heading into the postseason. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, it's been a real good stretch and interesting to see how they're going to set up for the playoffs. Follow him on Twitter at chris underscore willis. You can check out his work at batterypower dot com. He's a managing editor for editor, excuse me, for Battery Power SBN, and joined us on the waitfor dot com hotline. Chris, as always, man, appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for a few minutes. We'll chat soon. Uh, thank you. It's always fun. John Chuckery, we'll be back. Sports right now to the game and the Odyssey dot com app. Chuckery. This party's gonna rock. Make sense! Sports Radio 92.9, the game. 
Sports Radio 92.9, the game back at the John Chuckery Show, live in the Key Studios on this Wednesday night. Hey, uh, the preseason's behind us, and the games are finally getting ready to count. Check out the new podcast, First and Pod, with Danny Parkins and Andrew Filipponi. They uh, have new episodes that come out Monday and Thursday. Check them out for free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, Odyssey app is where you catch us for free as well. Check us out there if you're on the go. Social media at 929 The Game. I'm at JMCH316. He's at underscore Dylan Matthews. Um, in case you missed it, the Braves did win today 7-3 to over the god-awful Oakland A's. Strider goes to 10-4 and now on the season. So that's their fourth 10-game winner. Because, you know, Ian Anderson had 10 wins before he went down to Gwinnett. Strider's got 10 now, and obviously, you know, Freed and um, uh, Kyle Wright have, what, 30 wins combined? I think 13 for Freed, 17 for Kyle Wright. And I think Charlie Morton is at, oh boy, I should have probably looked this up uh, earlier. I think Morton is at eight or nine wins. He is at, bear with me here, talks amongst yourselves. Morton is at seven wins. So he's got seven. 13 for Freed, 17 for Wright, 10 for Strider, 10 for Anderson, and seven for Charlie Morton. And then the next guy, the next the next closest win total guy is Kenley Jansen and A.J. Minter. Both have five wins apiece. But talking about starting pitching more than anything. So Braves very realistically might have three guys that have ten or more wins, which is in today's baseball world is pretty good. The fact that you have enough guys that pitch enough innings and stay in enough starts and everything like that to be able to get decisions in Major League Baseball. But, you know, obviously Strider's been a phenomenon and then some. Uh, six innings, two hits, two runs, nine strikeouts, and three walks. He threw 103 pitches. But the reason I bring that up is because he had 36 pitches in the first inning. 36 in the first inning. And only ended up with 103. What is that? What's the math on that, Dylan? Um, 67? Six, 103 minus 36. That's 67? Does that sound about right? Sounds about right. 103 okay. minus 37? No, uh, 103 minus 36. Here we go. Let's see. 103. 103 minus 36 is, yeah, 67. 67. Look at you, quick math. Yeah. That's what they pay me the big bucks for. That's right. So, Strider had 36 pitches in one inning and only had 67 pitches in the next five innings. And had nine strikeouts, which is already going to – he had three walks and nine strikeouts, which obviously brings your pitch count up. And that's why he got to 36 in the first inning. So, after getting, you know, knocked around a little bit early on, he was outstanding the rest of the way. And he really is going to make decisions hard about how you handle this. Again, this is all first-world problems for the Atlanta Braves. Your roster, your starters, your bullpen, your this, your that – where do I play this guy? Where do I play that guy? You know, maybe they should petition to see if they can make baseball a 10-man lineup. Because they've got first-world problems. So, uh, Mets, by the way, uh, <laughs> Mets are up 7 to nothing in the uh, sixth inning. By the way, you know, they put uh, Max Scherzer on the IL today. He has – he's he and it, it's again – the same thing that he was out for a few months for, that oblique issue. He's got an oblique problem. F the Mets. Yep, F, F the, the Mets. Mets. 
Step right up and F the Mets. So he's on the IR now. I assume that they'll probably not blow a seven-run lead to the god-awful Pittsburgh Pirates with only three innings to go. So assuming that happens, Braves will be a half game behind um, as they head into Seattle, which that's going to be a fun series. You know, we talked about, you know, this little stretch on the West Coast. Seattle's good. You know, they're they're fighting, scratching, clawing right now to keep themselves in the playoff hunt. I think they are – I think they have the number two wild card seed right now in the American League. They're a couple of games behind Tampa. I think game and a half maybe behind Tampa. But they're fighting, scratching, clawing right now for a playoff spot. And remember, it's three three teams get the wild card this year, right? It's not two teams that get the wild card. Well, now we've got three teams. In, in a couple of weeks, it'll be nine teams that'll get the wild card because – Everything has to expand, right? We can't just leave it alone, college football playoff, anything. We have to expand, 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 more, 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 more. God, let's hope they don't expand the NBA playoffs. God almighty. Leagues, the season's already eight and a half months too long as it is. Could they go down to about 35 games and like two rounds of playoffs in the NBA and be done with it? Be perfect. They should. You know what teams are going to be up there anyway. Right. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah, like, again, it's not not a big mystery as to who's going to be, you know, right there. And if you're not in the top kind of one, two, three, four, usually you're not, usually you're not, um, um, usually, usually you're not, uh, if you're like in the eight, nine, ten seat or whatever like that, you're usually not in contention for the NBA title. Because, again, you have to win 16 games in the NBA playoffs. 16. You have to have win it 16 times. That's tough to do. So, anyway, but, again, this will be a fun series. At Seattle, at the San Francisco Giants, a couple of good series coming up before they uh, they get back home. And believe it or not, you know, we're we're obviously into September already. There's not much of the baseball season left here. It's going to come very, very quick. And, you know, we'll see if this comes down to the Mets and Braves series, that second series of the year, right, second to last series of the season. The, the Braves, I think their final three series are, are against, I think it's Washington, the Mets, and the Marlins, I think is the final three series that the Braves play. So obviously two scuzz bag teams and then the Mets. Well, three scuzz bag teams. I think the Mets are scuzz bags. They've had a really good year. Give them credit. They've had a really good season, but doesn't mean that they're not scuzz bags. They just are in general. I hate the Mets. Yeah. But where's our song? You got our song up there? F the, the Mets, Mets. F the Mets. Step right up and F the Mets. Anyway, do you let me ask you this? I know I'm gonna hate myself for asking this. Do you know what that like the song that I'm singing? No. <laughs> I mean, I I feel like I've heard a lot of songs that go like that da 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 the Mets for the Mets forever in a day. They probably still do if they're not playing narco. But they have a song that's Meet the Mets, meet the Mets, step right up and meet the Mets. Oh, okay. Makes sense now. Yeah. Okay. Except we put a different twist on it. You have that song? F the Mets, F the Mets, step right up and F the Mets. <sighs> anyway. All right, let's get to something we call What's Bugging Chuckery. Don't look now, but somebody out there just got Chuckery ticked off. <laughs> 
Like that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's time for What's Bugging Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. This is the penultimate case of making sure we're first but not right. Doug Gottlieb. Remember him? Radio host and all that? Okay. Remember a while back he was sued by Freddie Freeman's former agent, Casey Close. Back on June 29th, Gottlieb tweeted out. Remember this whole drama about this whole Freddie and his agent thing? On June 29th, Gottlieb tweeted this out. Casey Close never told Freddie Freeman about the Braves' final offer. That is why Freeman fired him. Um, and in a statement, Close said, although we gave Mr. Gottlieb an opportunity to retract his false statement, he failed to do so. The complaint sets the record straight as to what occurred during the negotiations with the Atlanta Braves. That's the statement after they filed a lawsuit against him. They filed a lawsuit against Doug Gottlieb, Casey Close did, after that tweet. And they said, we gave him a chance to retract. He didn't do it. Fast forward. dum da da dum Guess what we got today? In fact, did you check your email, Dylan? Check your email. I did it. Okay, I'll check it. Doug Gottlieb on Twitter regarding Casey Close slash Freddie Freeman negotiations. Statement from Doug Gottlieb. I'm going to read you this exactly. On June 29th, I commented on alleged circumstances surrounding Freddie Freeman's negotiations with the Atlanta Braves and his relationship with his former agent, Casey Close. While I always strive to report accurate information. (laughs) Sorry, that's my uh, thing. Uh, I prematurely reported on these events and simply got it wrong. Upon further vetting of my sources... A review of the lawsuit filed against me in this matter and a direct conversation with Casey himself, I have learned that the conduct I alleged did not occur and there is no credible basis for stating that it did. My ultimate investigation into this matter confirms that Casey Close did, in fact, communicate all offers to Freddie Freeman and the sources I relied on were incorrect. In no uncertain terms, I appreciate the damage this information, this misinformation like this can cause and have been in touch with Casey Close to apologize directly. I've also deleted my, well, thank God he deleted his original tweet. Now, Casey Close, by the way, has said that as far as he's concerned, this matter is done and over with. But again, right, it's way more important to go hot take and get it out there so that we've got tweets and likes and followers and all that other nonsense, right? Doesn't matter if we got it right and all that kind of stuff. Think about what had to happen to get Doug Gottlieb to retract this thing. He had to get sued by an agent and lawyers and be brought out into public and... and Get ready to be put in front of a court of law and have interviews. Think about all of the things that had to happen just to get to the point of Doug Gottlieb admits that he was wrong. Think about that. If Casey Close doesn't sue, pursue it, go after him, 
You think Doug Gottlieb would have ever said anything? He wouldn't have said a friggin' word. Not a friggin' solitary word about I got it wrong. Wouldn't have said anything about it. But again, it's way more important to be hot take Tommy and get it out there first. Let me get it out there. Let me tweet it so I get my retweets and I get my likes and you can have a space and we can do this and my Insta chat and my Facegram and all this other crap. If Doug Gottlieb, who's not a journalist, journalist, who's not a journalist, you better double down on you've got the information right. What were Doug Gottlieb's sources? Freddie and Vito at the bar? Drinking a Schlitz? Eating some nachos and some peanuts out of the bowl from six weeks ago? How about your source should have been, I go right to the agent and say, what the hell was going on? Why not go there? Nope. Can't do that because that won't get us tweets, re-likes, rehashes, heart emojis, interactions, quote tweets, Insta face likes, Graham book comments. Let's start a new song. F the Gottlieb, F the Gottlieb. Step right up and say F the Gottlieb, F him. If you're going to put that out, you damn sure better have your story straight. I am thrilled. I wish Casey Close would continue to sue him, try to get him put in prison into a gulag in somewhere in the Ukraine. If you're going to put this crap out, be right. Don't be first, be right. Talk to the right people. Obviously, he's got his number because he's in contact with him now because his ass got sued for all of it. Good. Again, I don't care what really happened in this any other. Obviously, we know what he said is false because I promise you, Doug Gottlieb out of the goodness of his heart and just to be a stand-up guy isn't putting out a retraction like this and, and dealing with the lawyers and everything else. And I promise you, it cost him some scratch in this thing for lawyers and everything else. So one more time, F the Gottlieb, F the Gottlieb, step right up and F the Gottlieb. And that's what's bugging Chuckery. All right, when we come back, Kirby Smart was on earlier today with the Steakhouse. Rusty Manziel sitting in with Steak Today. What Kirby had to say. We'll play that interview up next. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios. Sports right now to the game and the Odyssey.com app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, 